Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I am Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I also wrote three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms. So The 4-Hour School Day is my most recent publication, and if you loved The Unhurried Homeschooler, you will love The 4-Hour School Day as well. It's kind of like an expanded version of The Unhurried Homeschooler. So you can find all three of those books at Amazon. You can also find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com, and The 4-Hour School Day can be found at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the other places that I mentioned. I am really glad that you're here today, and I wanted to let you know that I have an online mentoring course, and this is called the Unhurried Homeschooler Mentoring Course, and it's a series of videos where I talk about in more detail what it looks like to take a simple, unhurried approach to your child's education from when they're very, very little all the way through high school. So I encourage you to check that out. I will leave a link in the show notes so you can do that. Well, I am glad that you're here today as we begin to talk again about sibling relationships. In the last podcast, I talked about the importance of nurturing sibling relationships. Today, I'm going to talk about ways that we can nurture sibling relationships. And you know, I can only speak from my own experience, so I'm just going to share Uh, what our experience was, some of the things that we did, um, in hopes that mostly it'll just be inspirational. You might want to use some of my suggestions, but you might find yourself with uh, great ideas springing from just listening to what someone else did. I think also it's just a great way, uh, you know, when we're inspired, we tend to be more creative. And so, um, I'm hoping that today uh, you will be inspired and challenged and encouraged to um, find ways to nurture the sibling relationships in your home. So let's talk about how we do it. So all I can do, like I said before, is tell you how we did it. And it's not like I went into this thinking, I'm going to nurture sibling relationships and this is how I'm going to do it. That isn't how it worked. How it worked was I saw the need for nurturing sibling relationships. And then the Lord just sort of led me as I cried out to him when, you know, my kids were fighting and not getting along. And I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness, what am I going to do about this? Um, I want my kids to love each other. I want them to know how to have healthy relationships, but mostly I just wanted them to get along and I wanted them to, I wanted them to genuinely love each other. And so that was really my first goal. Um, But in that, what I found was that I was literally preparing our kids for real life relationships by nurturing the sibling relationships. And I talked about that in the first podcast um, in this series. I will leave the link to the first episode in the show notes in case you missed that. Okay, so what I did a while back, several years ago, I asked my kids, I said, out of all the things that we ever did as parents and over the years with you, um, what was it that really caused you all to bond like you're bonded, you know? And I asked five of them at the time, because only five of them were adults at the time. 
And um, they all said the same thing. I asked them separately, and they all said the exact same thing. Okay, so you ready for this? Here's what they said. Being in a confined space with limited access to friends and devices is what bonded us together the most. Isn't that hilarious? When I actually wrote this out, I thought, this sounds terrible. This <laughs> sounds like, you know, somebody should call CPS because these kids never get out of their house. It's, it wasn't like that. Like, they spent time with other kids, and we spent time with other families, and they went to a homeschool thing every every week. But most of their time was spent with each other, and that was the truth because we lived way out in Timbuktu. We didn't have any neighbor kids. And again, that brings another you know, variable into the equation when you're trying to nurture those relationships and dealing with that. And so I, I will be talking about that here eventually. But right now, I want to focus on their answer, which was being in a confined space with limited access to friends. So most of the time, our kids were working and playing alongside of each other. Now, I know that um, I knew that was important, but it just happened to be our lifestyle for starters that we didn't live close to anybody. We didn't have a bunch of neighbor kids to, you know, for the, our kids to play with. So they kind of had to play with each other. But I realized that was actually a gift. It was a gift to me, it was a gift to them. And I know if you're in other circumstances, you might be thinking, oh, well, how am I going to do this then? Well, you know, um, we are going to, I am, like I said, I am going to address that in just a little bit. But it's really about being intentional. It's about understanding the importance of your children working and playing alongside of each other. That is a big part of nurturing their sibling relationships um, because what happens in that process is, you know, as the fights break out and the obstacles pop up in their relationships, what ends up happening as we work through those with them is that they um, overcome obstacles together. That is what bonds people together the most, is when they go through something difficult and they have to overcome it together. Um, I don't know if you remember the movie called Sully from years ago. Um, it's a true story about a pilot who had to land a, um, a commercial uh, flight on the river in Washington, D.C., and he had to make a last minute split decision and by because this flock of birds had flown through the engines of the plane and they were they were going down and so he had to last minute make a, a decision and he chose to land on the water it was the safest place for him to go and anyway everyone survived but that group of people, as far as I know, still to this day, get together every year because there was something amazing and bonding about overcoming a difficulty like that together. And so the same thing happens with our kids on a smaller scale, several times a day, several times a week, you know, and that multiplies over and over and over again. But this is an opportunity to grow a strong, cohesive family. Now, most of you aren't as old as I am, but back in the day when my husband and I um, were doing premarital counseling with a couple, uh, two couples from church, the series that they took us through was Gary Smalley's series on hidden keys to loving relationships. I think that's what they took us through. It might have been something else, but I know at one point, 
Uh, I think that's where we learned about Gary Smalley. But then when we, um, after we were married, that's what it was. After we had been married for a while, had several kids, we had a couple's night once a week where we went through several videos of hidden keys to loving relationships with all these couples. And it was, one of, again, one of the most bonding things because we met every week and we went through this series together and it was just amazing. But the reason I'm bringing it up is we learned so much from that. Um, one of the stories that he told specifically that is it applies to what I'm talking about today is he was saying family vacations. Um, we always called them trips because often when you're traveling with kids, it's not a vacation, it's a trip. But and usually, a lot of times, there are obstacles to overcome on trips like that. And so he was talking about how those those trips are uh, amazingly an amazing way to uh, bond the family together, to help be- the family become more cohesive. And he t- would tell the story about when he and his family were they rented an RV and they went traveling, and the, and the the RV got a flat tire, and they were on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, and he was yelling, and the kids were crying, and everyone was fighting. And just it was just not a fun situation. And of course, they got the help they needed. They overcame. And about three weeks later, they were just laughing, and they have ever since then laughed and laughed and laughed about that trip and that situation. He was saying, you know, you go through these difficulties, and you know, a, a lot of times, just a few weeks later, you're laughing about it. It becomes something that bonds you, and it becomes something you, you know, you reflect on and tell stories and laugh around the uh, the fire pit like our kids do all the time about different things that they've gone through together. But I love that. And when when our daughter and son in law were uh, first married, they went through that that series as well. I think you can actually find it on YouTube. It's very dated, but he has some really great stuff in there. Um, but anyway, they she remembered us going through it, so she went through it with her husband. And so their big joke is whenever things are really, really hard, they just look at each other and they go, three weeks, baby, three weeks. <laughs> I love that. But here's, here's what this is really all about um, when it comes to nurturing sibling relationships and having our kids working and playing alongside of each other. It's about stewarding wisely or putting boundaries on our kids' time playing with other kids to make sure that they are spending time together as siblings. So this is one of the ways that we nurture sibling relationships. We monitor whether our kids are spending enough time with their siblings or not. Because here's the deal. It's honestly easier to let them play with the neighbor kid that they get along with, right? It's easier. They pick their friend. It's their choice. And so it it can be easy to just sort of like, oh, just let them go play. And I'm not saying you should never do that. I'm just saying be aware, be intentional about how much time your kids are spending together as siblings, because what we're doing is we're teaching them that family life and these sibling relationships are worth the effort. So when I'm saying to my kids, no, I don't think you can play with neighbor Johnny or whatever today because you need to spend some time with your siblings, um, with your brothers and sisters. And I would always tell my kids, you know, you're going to have friends come and go, and you might have a friend or two that end up being a lifelong friend. But at the end of the day, it's going to be each other. You will always be there for each other because you're brothers and sisters. And I emphasize that over and over and over again. And what I love is that that's what's happened is our kids 
all have really good relationships with each other. Now, I'm not saying they don't call each other all the time. They're not in each other's business. Sometimes it's weeks on end before they hear from each other or see each other. Um, Part of it is some of them live across the country from each other. But when they talk and when they get together, there's no animosity. There's no bitterness. There's no resentment. They just love each other and they enjoy spending time together and they know each other really, really well. And I just love that. And I and I know that they love it too because they've shared that with me. Okay, another way that we nurtured uh, sibling relationships was to encourage teamwork. And I kind of mentioned this before. I've kind of been, been, been talking about this all along. Um about working and playing together, but specifically encouraging teamwork. Um, So here's what happens is when our kids work and play alongside of each other, there are some things that they learn, Um, things like personal responsibility. For instance, um, you know, we would have maybe, there was 10 of us. So the dinner time cleanup and, and meal cleanups were pretty, you know, they were a little more work than they would be with a smaller family. So we kind of divided the work up into, you know, somebody cleared and swept, cleared the table and swept under the table because it needed it every time. And then someone would load the dishwasher uh, someone would unload and load the dishwasher and then someone would wash up the pots and pans because I could make a really big mess when I was cooking because um, when you're cooking for that many people, it usually involves a lot of pots and pans. So that's kind of how we had it divided up. So what would happen is if one of the kids, let's say the one that's clearing and, and sweeping, decided they just weren't going to do their job or they're going to drag their feet, that would affect the person who's trying to get the dishwasher loaded, right? So that first person's choices directly affected the next person's choices. And this is super important. They need to understand that their actions affect the people around them negatively or positively. And so, you know, it's it's important to recognize um the value of having our kids working and playing alongside of each other. When spats break out, when different things happen and there's disagreements and things like that, those are opportunities to really um, really encourage teamwork. The other, the other things that encouraging teamwork help with is teaching our kids patience because, again, that person who's loading the dishwasher he really wanted to get his job done on time, and this other person stopped him from doing that. So now he's got to navigate that. Is he going to tell mom? Is he going to try to lovingly warn his sibling? Hey, listen, you're going to get in trouble. I don't want to tell mom. I will if I need to, but you know, it's that you know, warn the lazy, right? Get in there, get the job done, so we can just be done, you know. And so that child has an opportunity to decide what they're going to do, and also to learn patience in that process. They learn communication. Again, they're having to come up with the words and the tone, and how are they going to communicate with each other? Are they going to do it in a way that provokes one another? Are they going to do it in a way that encourages them? Um, Are they going to, you know, what kind of words are they going to use? Again, what kind of tone? Uh, They also learn natural consequences. Well, guess what? When you do this, when when this happens, then this happens. Like I, I shared in the first podcast where our son learned that if he was going to poke and provoke, 
his siblings that his dad had given them permission to sock him in the arm. So he, there were natural consequences. And that's, that's something that I think we sometimes forget, that natural consequences are actually the most effective way to discipline our kids. Just let them feel the ramifications of their decision. So another thing that another thing that they learn uh, through that teamwork is conflict resolution. So fight breaks out over you know things weren't handled well because you know the the kid who was loading got mad at the one who was clearing that he wasn't doing his job and that kid did not handle it well. And so now we're talking about um, taking responsibility for your own actions. So the child who is loading the dishwasher, although yes, he may. It may be very justified for him to be upset or feel impatient or feel angry, but what is he going to do with that? Okay, Um, so that's something we'll talk about in the next podcast. We'll talk about uh, nurturing sibling relationships through conflict. But again, the child is making choices. Now, the child uh, cannot cannot make the other child do their job, right? That's not their responsibility. They have to learn what am I responsible for and what am I not responsible for and then take responsibility for that. So some of the ways, uh, other ways that we nurtured sibling relationships was just getting a better understanding about the uniquenesses of each of the people that we live with. You know, we we took little personality tests and I'll leave a link to one of the tests that we like to take. It's a really quick one and it, it's again it's Gary Smalley. It's a it's a personality test that just breaks it down into real simple four categories. Obviously, we're more complex than that, but you you would get a general idea. Um I like the way Gary Smalley does it because he breaks it down into animals. So it's really easy to understand. So he goes through uh, four animals. There's a lion. Now that is the conqueror. That is the one that, um, you know, if if you cross that that lion, he will power up. That will be his first response or her first response is to power up. Okay. And so they, they tend to be very strong, very determined. Um, they can tend to mow people over. They're very strong leaders. So there's, but there's very, there, again, there are positives and negatives to each of these. And I love that Gary Smalley talks about both of those. Um, so there's the lion, there's the otter. This is the one, this is the party person. Everybody loves the otter and the otter, um, but the otter can be kind of irresponsible because the otter is so people-oriented that he or she can uh, forget to take care of their responsibilities. For example, if you invite an otter to, if an otter gets invited to two or three parties in one night, he or she will go to every single one of them, but they'll forget to bring what they were supposed to bring in terms of food or gifts or whatever. So that's uh, that's that's an otter. And then there's a um, beaver. This would be kind of like your accountant type person who's just very um, sequential, a very, you know, methodical about what they do. They like lists. They like to check off lists. I mean, other other personalities do too, but this one specifically really loves the lists and, and checking them off and feeling like they're getting things done. Um, but they can, again, come off a little bit uh, harsh uh, sometimes. And uh, But the flip side is they're incredibly responsible. And so, and then there's the golden retriever. Now, this is the one who is incredibly loyal they tend to be quieter. Um, 
That's what at least that's what I've noticed. Not quite as boisterous and outgoing, but incredibly loyal, very sensitive. Um, but if you betray them, it takes a very, very long time to get that um, trust back again. So that's I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg on each of those four personalities. But it helped so much just to have a little idea because usually uh, each person is two. They'll have a they'll have a first one and a second one that are really really obvious. And so when you know those combinations and you kind of have an idea and you and you and your kids begin to understand that, it helps them so much in responding to their siblings and ultimately later on to their spouse, to their children, to their coworkers and their bosses when they understand a little more like, okay, this is how I need to talk to this person because otherwise this is what's going to happen. It's going to be a negative response. And what I want to do is try to keep peace, you know, just try to be a peacemaker. Um, again, not peace at all costs. I, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not, I don't believe in that. But, you know, there's a way to be um, just... Uh, kind and appropriate in the way that you come across. And so um, I'm just going to stop here for just a minute and say that all of our children have been employed at some point or another, even our girls who are now married and and home with kids. Um, The places that they worked and the employers that they had or still have, um, that is one thing that we have gotten back over and over and over again is one, that they're very, very hard workers, but also and incredibly responsible, but they're really good team players. They understand how to navigate and negotiate conflict and how to deal with certain people certain ways. And so that was just such a blessing to hear that back because I'm telling you the amount of time that I put into nurturing the sibling relationships seemed like a lot at the time, but it was such a worthwhile investment. Now, I do want to stop here and just also say that you every situation and every conflict and every little interaction does not require a microscope. So please don't think you have to, you know, put all of this under the microscope all day long. That is not what I'm saying at all. I say pray over this and just keep in mind that every time a conflict arises or you hear kids not speaking right to each other, not being respectful towards each other, you know, it may require you to step in and you may have an opportunity in front of you to nurture the sibling relationships in your home. So this is more about bringing an awareness to you, not putting more burdens on you, um, because I believe that God wants us to nurture these sibling relationships and teach our kids these things. And so we know that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That doesn't mean it's not work. It doesn't mean we don't have to persevere or that we won't get frustrated sometimes. But he promises to carry the heaviest part of the load. So that means when we don't know what to do. We're at the end of our rope or we're even getting close to that or we just know, I don't know what to do in this situation. We remember to pause, acknowledge him in all of our ways, ask him for wisdom because I know that he believes and he knows, not quite saying that right. I know that he thinks this is important, that this is an important thing to do. And if it's something where you just go, he may just say, you know, just let this go for now. You'll have another opportunity later on. 
you know, because there are those situations where you really can't get into it in the moment. And there are times God has just said, just leave it. And sure enough, it would come up again and I would have the time, it would be the time and the place to deal with it. And that gave me some time to think and pray about it as well. So learning about different personalities, the giftings, you know, in terms of like what is, and that's kind of ties in with the personalities. Um, love languages, like when does that other person, what makes that other person feel loved? For some, it is quality time. Others, it's words of affirmation. So there's little tests you can take for that as well. And that's a really uh, fun thing to know. And and genders, you know, I, there is a difference. These are equal, but different. That's how I see boys and girls. They're equal, but different. And so to acknowledge those differences is really, really beneficial, and it can really help um, bring more grace uh, to situations, more grace to conversations. Um, so it's it's just, you know, all of those things, personalities, giftings, love languages, genders, all of that, just kind of bearing those things in mind um, is such a great way to um, it's a great place to work from to help nurture sibling relationships. And you know, our kids are also learning what it means to bear with one another in love. Um, that's Ephesians 4, 2. They begin to understand what it looks like to respect each other's strengths and bear with each other's weaknesses. And so I mentioned all the personalities and giftings and love languages. That's just something to just sort of like have in your mind and heart as just a just just some light knowledge. I think that's really important. But I think that what's more important is leaning in to the New Testament teachings on how we are to treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I looked at my kids as though they were already brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what age they were. I wanted them to be trained to, to see each other that way, not just as you know, related blood siblings or just, you know, siblings in this family, but brothers and sisters in Christ, because that makes all the difference in the world, especially when you go to the New Testament and you read um, what it has to say there in so many of the passages about how we treat each other. And I talked about this in the first episode as well. So I want to share a quick story um, kind of as an example of what I've been talking about uh, in terms of the ways that we um, invested in our kids' uh, sibling relationships. So one day we were sitting around the, uh, in the living room and we were having devotions. We were I was reading the Bible or a devotional or something to the kids. And, um, and our, our daughter, Johanna, she's number seven out of the eight. She was probably maybe six or seven years old. And she was just in a mood. She was just, I don't know what her problem was. And at the moment, I didn't know what her problem was. I just looked at her. And I'm like, what is what is going on with you? And uh, and she was just kind of, you know, kind of snarky. And I was like, okay, well, I, I, yeah, I don't know about this. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, one of our other kids, our son Luke, said to her, Johanna, what's really bothering you? And all of a sudden she burst into tears and she shared all that was on her heart. And um, and it was just, qu- just quite a display of, you know, the investment that I had made so far up to that point. Because what Luke was doing, 
in asking what this is really all about is that he was seeking to understand before being understood. So instead of just saying to her, look, you need to straighten up. We're trying to get devotions done. He stopped and he sought to understand what was going on in her heart first. I hadn't even thought to do that, but it was such a beautiful example. And, and I think it's important for us to keep that in mind. This is really a great, um, a great thing to keep in mind, not just with between the siblings, but also in the parent-child relationship in our marriages, if we really do stop to seek to understand when there's a conflict going on and something is being, something's just going awry, to stop and to seek to understand before being understood is such a gift and it can waylay so many misunderstandings and unnecessary arguments, but it's really hard to do really hard to do, especially if you're already getting emotional. And so I think if we can work on that ourselves and set an example and then also teach it to our children, um, not just with our words, but again, with our example, I think we really, really give them a leg up when it comes to healthy relationships. But the point of this episode is that our kids need to learn to be other-oriented. And Sometimes that happens through work, sometimes it happens through play or fun, but often it'll happen through conflict. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about in the next episode is how ways to nurture sibling relationships through conflict. But the point of this episode, like I said, is that our kids do need to learn to be other-oriented and It's the hardest to do that at home. I always told my kids that. Like, this is the hardest place to be kind, to be gentle, because you get so used to knowing each, being with each other. And also, you take each other for granted and you don't treat. Um, you, you sometimes we end up not treating each other like we would treat a friend. And I used to tell my kids that when they were treating each other poorly, I would say, you know, um, you know, to one of them, maybe, would you ever? the way you're treating your brother right now, would you ever treat your friend Nate like that? And they would always say, no. Then why are you treating your brother like that? You should treat him like you would want to be treated, first of all. And second of all, treat him like you would treat a good friend. And so these are just some of the ways that, uh, just some of the things that sort of unfolded as we were intentional, tried to be more intentional about nurturing sibling relationships. So hopefully you found some inspiration um, and maybe your mind is already going different to different things that you could do. My best advice to you is let it be organic. It's okay to plan things. It's okay to say something like, hey guys, what do you think about, you know, setting up a tent in the backyard and you guys could camp together? I think that's a great idea. Um, But I think a lot of this happens organically as you're going throughout the day and you're just queuing in and listening to just the normal conversations that are happening throughout the day, dealing with the conflicts that happen, maybe stepping back and looking at uh, giving a couple kids a job together that um, or a project to do together. You know, So there's just there are lots of different ways that we can do that just in the everyday with what's right in front of us. And I'll be talking a little bit more about that in the next podcast. Um, mainly, I'll be talking about ways to nurture sibling relationships through, um, through conflict. Before I leave, though, I think 
I am going to actually share uh, a few other ways that we encouraged bonding, uh, just because it fits so well with this episode that uh, we've been talking about today, or in this particular episode. Okay, so I mentioned having them work together. Um, I've had, I've had, because we had so many boys, physical stuff was great. Competitions were great. 50-yard dash, a bike race, run around the house. Uh, again, physical responses, uh, especially great for boys. Um, the girls were more, you know, relational, and I would sometimes have them write uh, a letter to each other, especially if they've been having a lot of different, a lot more frequent conflicts. Um, I would have them write a letter to each other or say it out loud, telling the other what they appreciated or respected about the other person. Um, this teaches them to remember. Um, I think it's so important. I know this has been true in my marriage that when I just feel so angry with my husband, if I stop and I remember all the ways that he has been a blessing to me over the years, it changes my attitude towards him and it really enables me to work through conflict better with him when I take the time to remember. Um, Another thing that we used to do is um, we did this thing where the kids would do something like they were drawing names. And uh, so all their names would go in a pot. You know how you do that at Christmas time? Um, They would each grab a name and that was... um, the person that they had for the week to bless with random acts of kindness, but without anybody knowing, seeing what they were doing or knowing whose name they had. And we called that the secret angel. And they had a lot of fun with that. They would um, sneakily do their chore for them before they got to it, or they'd put a piece of candy under their pillow. And so that was something we really had fun with. So those are just a few ideas. Um, I am sure that you all are probably way more creative than I am, but uh, my simple things seem to work and (laughs) at least they worked for us. But anyway, I hope you found some inspiration here and that you have been challenged and encouraged to nurture sibling relationships in your home. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have in front of us as homeschooling moms to nurture the relationships between our children. We ask that you would give us wisdom and discernment, that you would show us the ways that would be the most effective in helping our kids grow in their love for each other. We thank you that you have placed them in our families in just that specific order and that specific way um, for your glory and for your honor and because you want to prepare our kids for the life ahead of them. You're gonna use use their position in the family to do that. So thank you for um, that we can trust you, that you're sovereign over all of that. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.